0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Youth Hoops Pod presented by Pro Skills Basketball. Today, you are listening to part two of our Skill Development and Preparing for the Next Level webinar featuring special guests Steph Curry's trainer, Brandon Payne, former six year pro and PSB Denver director, Ross Schrader, and finally, 12 year pro and PSB Raleigh director, JJ Miller. This is a previously recorded webinar that will cover all things skill development and preparing for the next level.
1: Thanks, Ross. JJ, I'm going to kick it to you real fast. You know, Please don't take offense to this, but JJ's is a, a smaller guy. He was a point guard. Um, and JJ, I can imagine growing up, you might have been one of the smallest on, on every team that you played. Um, talk about your development from being like a smaller kid and, and developing the strength to shoot from from deeper range and do the things that maybe like you know uh, a, a really mature 11 year old could do that you probably couldn't do because you were just a little bit smaller. Um, how did you handle that from a skill development standpoint?
2: Uh, actually, you know what? My, my size was a gift and a curse. Um, you know because um, for me, I had two older brothers that were six years older than me, um, so I played against them a lot, so being smaller, younger, um, you know, I was fast. I, I kind of was always fast, I guess, but like, um, but what would happen most of the time is they would, wouldn't allow me to play with them unless they were a man short or something like that, so I would be on the side um, building those ball handling skills and, and and working on dribbling, And but when I got a chance to play, because of that and because of me being small, I really had to figure out ways to be creative, ways to get to my spot, ways to create space, um, and, and that kind of helped me develop those areas which were the stronger areas of my game initially, right? Um, those things were, were what I developed to be able to just get on the court and be able to get on those teams. Um, and they remained my strength for a long time as I built up, you know, the shooting and, and different things like that. Um, one of the things that from a shooting standpoint that I was able to, I guess, kind of benefit from was the fact that I did have lower body strength where um my legs were always in my shots. So when I created space, I was able to rise off the floor a little bit to be able to get my shot off. Um and that kind of kept my shot getting more and more consistent, I guess. Um, but I, I think the same thing applies, whether you're, you know, five foot or six foot five, I would guess, your mechanics have to be in place and you have to be able to do um those repeatable actions that both those guys talked about. And um I continue to work on that as well. Yeah.
1: Cool. I mean, that's a good segue to something I was going to pose to Brandon. So Brandon, I'll kick it to you real fast. Um, you heard JJ mention lower body strength. Um, I actually saw a chat pop up here questioning how to, how to, how do I improve my vertical? Um, that's something that I think every young kid, I mean, I know I was too, just obsessed with trying to be able to jump higher and and doing the things to, uh, to, to increase my vertical. Um, what is your advice to you know? Let, let's let's start with like the younger kid, the elementary school, the middle school kid that's really just desperate to to be able to jump higher. Uh,
3: slow down, <laughs> <Number> one, <laughs> you know. It, it it'll come. Um, you know, it's it's it, the ability to run and jump. I mean, as and as a parent, sometimes we have a hard time. Not every kid is comes out really knowing how to do those things correctly, running and jumping. And there's just like with shooting. There's mechanics at play with running and jumping well that has a direct effect on how well our skills actually translate. The skills training we do actually translates into a basketball game. So the first thing in terms of, of learning how to jump better, you know, the, the two metrics that move at the same rate. Are linear speed and vertical leap. Those two things improve at the same rate because they're the same power output. How much power can you put in the ground? But on the flip side of that, in order to put that power into the ground, your body has to learn how to receive the power. So, in order for your body to learn how to receive the power that you can generate, you have to actually learn how to land. You have to learn how to decelerate and actually feel your weight before you start trying to learn how to jump and explosively run. So in terms of young kids starting to learn those jumping patterns and those speed patterns, the first thing they really need to make sure they know how to do is actually land. And that can come in the form of just literally jumping and landing in a position to where they could take a jump shot uh, stepping up on a a six or a 12 inch box and stepping off and just landing and holding that for a two to three second period. But allowing their body to learn how to land and decelerate that weight and feel the weight is a very important first step before you actually start learning how to run and jump, because if you don't have those landing mechanics, you're certainly not going to have the jumping mechanics. And, and those are the types of things that can lead to injuries, overuse injuries, and also major soft tissue injuries if we don't have good landing mechanics.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it kind of goes back to, to what we talked about before. Like, Brandon, I think you made a great point. Slow down. Like kids want to go straight from, you know, not doing anything to getting on a VertiMax or, or, <laughs> or, or starting a squad or doing what they can to jump or buying strength shoes or wearing weight vests. And, um, mm-hmm. I think it's a, when I look back at it, I, I think it's a really important concept that both, you know, if they have a skills trainer or not, if they have an athletic trainer or not, but, The parents seem to play a really active role in in helping their kids approach this like, hey, you got to start slow and you got to build up and what you think might be boring or think might not be doing a lot is is laying the groundwork for what's going to come later as you grow and get bigger. So I kind of like to go out to Chris. Chris, you said you had a few interesting questions from parents. Can you uh, can you hit us with one of those?
0: Yeah, uh, Adam Allen Spatch uh, asks, I constantly try to get my kids to work on game speed shots and movements. Do you have any quick advice on getting kids to go game
1: speed? I see Brandon shaking his head, and I'll, I'll, I'll give everybody a chance to answer this one. But, but Brandon, why don't you go ahead?
3: Yeah, you got to put them up against the clock. If you want them to, to move at game speed, you have to put them against the clock. I, and it's I have the same problem as a parent. Um, you know, it, it's hard sometimes for, for kids to put themselves into those competitive, that, that explosive competitive nature. Um, and, and you have to put them against the clock. You have to give them a consequence. You have to give them something that holds them accountable. Uh, and, you know, especially right now during this time of social distancing, there's a lot of things in terms of if you miss a shot, you got to be able to track it down before it bounces a, a third time. There's a lot of things you can do to speed them up. Uh, but you have to put them against a the time and score, and you've got to put them in competitive situations in order for them to act like a competitor. Most kids just innately don't have that drive just to just to go hard, hard, hard all the time, but if you put them in a game situation, they will go hard. So mm-hmm. gamifying their workouts and, and the drills you do with them as a parent is very important.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Ross, I will kick get to you. As you've worked with a lot of kids from a young age, you, you just heard Brandon talk about gamifying things, but then I think we'd all also agree that there is – we talked about slowing things down, you know so what um, what can, how, how can you help people think through striking a balance between hey this you know we 're going to start with like maybe five or ten minutes of form shooting, which is going to be slow and boring versus like the need to gamify things and go fast and speed so I can see there being confusion between like there's those are two those are two completely different things and and, and what is a good workout how does a good workout strike a balance between those two?
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, the quick answer is you got to be able to do both, right? You have to be able to do that, slow it down and, and take the time to do that form shooting. And then you also have to be able to put things into game action and game speed. I mean, it's the, you know, some of the, the simplest things in the game of basketball are what you need to spend time on. I mean, I say uh, to everybody whenever we do a shooting clinic or anything like that, you know, I mean, especially in my time overseas, the majority of my shots were, were three-pointers. Yeah, whenever I stepped on the court, I would not take a three. I wouldn't even step outside the lane until I had taken about 50 to 75 shots, uh, you know, just around the lane doing my little form shots. So, you know, even if I'm doing that at the age of 26, 27, when I was still playing, uh, there's no reason that somebody who's, you know, 10, 11, 12, 16, 17, shouldn't be taking the time to do that as well. Um, now I think when you're a little bit younger, even when you're a little bit younger, just wherever your skill level is at, Uh, you need to make sure that you have those basics down where, okay, yeah, I'm doing this form shot correctly every time. And, um, you know, that's where some of us as coaches come in and trainers come in that we can help them kind of figure out what that is. And then as we go, we progress towards um, like Brandon said, working against the clock, uh, having that consequence, whatever it is. And, you know, your question of, of how does a workout balance, uh, those two. I mean, I think it just kind of depends on each kid or team or whoever you're working with. Uh, you know, you might have uh, I might do a workout with a team or, or or a kid that we might spend you know half of it doing some of those slow reps and half of it doing uh, you know game type situations. I might have another one where we spend 45 minutes out of an hour doing slower type situations or only 15 minutes. It just you got to be able to adjust to uh, where the kids at or where your team's at in order to help them
1: with that. JJ or Brandon, you guys have anything to add to that?
2: Uh, yeah, so um, I guess I'll take it from a little different approach. Um, I'll, I'll just kind of talk about how I worked out and did my stuff as a player. Because um, that's one of the things that I was known for as a player, is how hard I worked and, and how um, much I was in the gym. Uh, one of the things that I would always do is, you know, as I when I first walk in the gym, I'm normally not warm. Right, I'm. Norm- I, I got to get moving. I got to get going so that I could perform at game speed. So that I could move quick and I could get to um, situations where I would. I would always try to, you know, put myself in an environment when I'm working on my own that was way harder than what I thought it would be in the game, at least by the end of the workout. So for me, as my body was warming up, and the first things I did was those things that we're talking about, right? The form shooting. Um, the fingertip touches and different things like that just to kind of move into things slowly. And as I felt my body kind of warming up and me getting used to the movement and being able to move quicker and faster, that's when I would start making sure that I was doing things game speed and that I was pushing myself, you know, so that I was um, putting myself through a harder type environment or workout than what I thought I might see in the game. So for me, the progression of the workout when I was working out was really important, right? So I may start off slow, making sure I'm taking care of all those fundamental stuff, but by the time I ended, um, you know, I was going 100% and then <clears throat> down just before I stopped.
1: Yeah. Brandon, what are your thoughts on on workout progression?
2: Yeah, I mean, y- you have to progress. And and so when, I, when
3: I'm when i talking about gamifying, when I'm talking about competing as the clock, we're trying, the goal is to get players to work at game speed with perfect mechanics. If you go at less than game speed with perfect mechanics, it's a worthless rep. If you go game speed and you have terrible mechanics, it's equally worthless. You have to have game speed ability with perfect mechanics in order for those, those game rep, those game speed reps to actually translate into games. So we're parents, you know, I know I think that was a question from a parent and we, we sometimes we try to, we get out a little bit out ahead of ourselves and we get caught up in comparing our child to another child. But the reality is with player development, that's not really how we should be grading our players. Even with Stefan, I'm comparing Stephen Curry on Monday to Stephen Curry on Sunday. If Stephen Curry Monday is better than Stephen Curry Sunday, we're moving in the right direction. I can't be worried about Damian Lillard or James Harden or anybody else that because we don't control that. We control what's going on in our building, and as parents, we have to remember that as well. It's our child today versus our child yesterday, and we can't get caught up and worrying about what other kids are doing or what other kids are doing in the games because – I've been doing this now for over 20 years, and I've seen players when Stefan was 10, 11, and 12. Him and Chris Paul and those guys were all playing AAU together, but they weren't necessarily the best players at that age. There were guys that were bigger and stronger and more advanced. And as it went, a couple of years later, those players that were really good at 10 and 11 weren't quite so good at 13, 14, and 15. And it started to even out. So don't get caught up comparing your child to another child. Compare your child today to yesterday and make sure you're working with perfect mechanics all the time. There is no, there is no replacing perfect mechanics.
1: That's a great. That's some great thoughts there. So, uh, Chris, I'm going to kick it back to you. You said uh, another question from a parent. Yeah, we got, we have a parent, um, and I love
0: this question. Um, as a coach, uh, uh, this parent is asking, "What is the best thing parents can do to support their child's development?"
1: Hmm. JJ, will you? Anybody want to take a stab at this? JJ, you want to go first?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I think, um, <clears throat> I, think it, I think it just kind of fundamentally supporting your your child, right? Um, making sure that they understand that you believe in them and that that. Um, you know, you're gonna be their number one fan first. Um, I think sometimes we put pressure on our kids as parents that they have to perform for us um, and, and do things good for us. Um, I, I think um, for me, you know, my daughter, she's a competitive player on the softball side of things. And, and for me, I, I just wanna make sure I talk to her and, and reassure her that, look, I just want you to have fun. Have fun, first and foremost, this is supposed to be enjoyable, it's a game. I'm gonna be dad no matter what, you know? So, so I think just kind of reassuring them that you're there to support them and that that's your role. And then, you know, obviously if there's things, when, uh, like for me, if my son is gonna play basketball, I hope, um, obviously I would think that he would think enough of me to ask me for advice and insight, being that I got paid to play. Um, and when that happens, I'd like to be able to give him good advice, but at the same time, I wanna make sure he knows that I'm dead first and that I'm here to support him and that I want him to have fun and I'm gonna love him whether he scores, you know, 30 points or no points, right? Um, and I just wanna to try to facilitate that. And I think that's one good way that parents can kind of mm. make sure that they support their, their kids.
1: It's awesome, JJ, thanks man. Brandon, as a parent, what are your thoughts on this question?
2: Yeah,
3: I think that number one, we're exactly right. That you have to love your child, but you have to challenge them at the same time, and you know, and you have to be able to extend out what you're doing to improve in basketball into other areas of life. So the big thing when you're challenging those, you got to challenge them with some structure. You have to give them the structure in order to improve and provide them with some sort of an outline to help them, you know, really get organized in their development process. Um, and then again, you can't. I, I see this all the time, whether it's player rankings or anything, uh, it's not about player A versus player B. It's, it's player A today versus player A yesterday. And as long as parents can provide the structure, challenge them, love them, and keep in mind that it's about their child today versus their child yesterday, that's really all you can do.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm a big uh, I'm a big growth mindset guy myself. And I'm talking about always uh, one thing I keep, this brings to mind for me, but it's just like putting an emphasis on the process as opposed to like the outcome, Um, praising them for their effort, as opposed to praising them for how good they are or or the score that they got at something. So Ross, I know, I know you're, you're, you're along the lines of of a growth mindset guy. How do you um, maybe not from a parent standpoint, but as a coach standpoint, how do you, um, how do you support your guys as they're developing their skills?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think this goes back to what Brandon was talking about on previous topics and what you just said is how long of a process this really is to become a good basketball player. I mean, it's it, it takes forever and you're never a perfect basketball player. We all strive to be perfect. And, uh, you know, I tell I tell our kids uh, a lot of times, like I sit here and coach them and telling them the, what I think what I perceive is the right thing to do. But if I went out there and played on the court, I would turn the ball over. I'd miss shots. I'd make mistakes. Um, so it's, it's, it's understanding that they're all going to go through that. And, you know, how do you just continue to, if you make that mistake, Hey, the game is continuing. The game keeps going on. Uh, how do we fight for that longer term goal? If we had a, a, a game as a team where we didn't do something well for whatever reason it was, well, that's okay. That's what happened in that game. So now we need to address it and figure out, um, you know, how we can be better for the next game. And it might not be that were significantly better in the next game and might be the same or just incrementally better. And then, you know, as we look over the course of time over the course of a season or, you know, depending on how long you're with the team over the course of multiple seasons, uh, how some of those things compare. Um, And I think uh, going back to kind of the parents as well and the coaches and the players, it's uh, you know, it is just accepting that long process. And I think both those guys, uh, JJ and Brandon did a great job of, of you know, kind of explaining some some uh, some ideas that parents can take to, to help their kids along with that, and um, you know, just looking at that long process rather than I I need this right now because uh, it might not happen right now.
1: It's a marathon, not a sprint, right? Um, I'm going to put. Your, I'm going to. What's that, Brandon?
3: I mean and, and as parents, we need to make sure we're enjoying the process as well while mm-hmm. it's long for the player it's short for the parent you're only going to see their parent till they're eighteen, so make sure you're enjoying that process with them when you have them because once it's over it's over
1: yeah, absolutely you um, guys on the spot here for a second and, and ask each one of you to kind of go around and I want you guys to name like one um one skill that you guys think is is overlooked by most people when they go out and and practice by themselves in their driveway um and then name that skill and then and then name one thing that they can do to to make sure that that skill is not overlooked maybe it might be a specific drill it might be um it might be something else they can do to develop that skill that you guys each individually feel is overlooked so Anybody wants to volunteer to go first, or else or I'll just I'll probably call on Brandon since he's got the most experience. Um, does anybody have uh, anything that comes to their mind when they think like, man, a lot of kids aren't working on this, and they need to be, and, and this is how they could do it?
3: Yeah, I can tell you the the one thing that I, I think a lot of players need to learn, especially at an early age, is how to get out of t- tight situations, how to get out of tough situations. We always we're always teaching and we're always talking about getting downhill. And we we come up with all these great combos on, on how to get to the rim to score and how to create space. But the one thing we don't spend a lot of time talking about is what happens when that double comes or what happens when you, you know, when, when you got somebody that's a little bit quicker than you guardian, you can't get by them. How do you get out of trouble? So working on escaping pressure, being able to make decisions, escaping it, having a good handle, be able to make an intelligent decision, whether it be to pass or to take another angle to the basket. So learning how to get downhill and get out of trouble to me Mm -hmm. is a very important thing because it's going to happen in games. I mean, we don't don't play games in vacuums.
1: Yeah. Okay, Brandon. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a twelve year old going out into my driveway and I'm I want to take that advice and that hits home for me. Give me specifics on what I can do to 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 work on that
3: yeah i mean it's, there's three cones set up if you've got cones you know if, if you start on the, the right side of the floor and you're driving you you put one cone on the nail and you put two cones lane line extended uh, about one step outside the three-point line and just work on driving at the nail and then escaping out and getting out to the other cone on the other side of this lane line extended and driving again or, or coming back to the middle and working on taking a different drive angle you have a parent out there helping you the big thing is after you get out of help and and move the basketball you got to be able to move yourself as well you got to be able to move yourself with uh with with importance and and with uh with an idea of where you're going so one thing that i do a lot with steph even in our workouts against air is we work on getting out of trouble and relocating to a spot away from the basketball that's going to pull the help towards you and so learning how to move without the ball getting out of getting out of trouble learning how to move without the basketball and being a smarter basketball player i mean you can do that even against air with just a parent but you have to have a good setup and you have to understand what you're trying to accomplish with the drill
1: yeah that's great uh, Ross or JJ, you guys have anything?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll, go very, very basic with it. Uh, I think passing is something that is just not focused on a lot. I mean, every, if, if we're doing group workouts or we're doing a team concept, like things will involve passing, but I feel like that's sometimes the thing that gets forgotten within any kind of drill. Um, is where some of those passes go we might mention it briefly but just focused work on passing and then I think focused work on passing as it relates to footwork going to Brandon's point of how to get out of trouble if I have a double team coming how am I pivoting my body to protect the ball and then making a pass with either hand or whatever kind of pass that I'm making Um, and so you know I've spent our entire high school season with our guys we started with uh, 15 to 20 minutes every single day of just passing and catching there's different kinds of passes, baseball passes, you know, one hand passes, left hand, right hand, bounce passes. It didn't matter what it was, but it was just focused passing. That was the only part of the drill. It didn't have any kind of shooting involved with it. Um, and I think for us, it, it genuinely helped us. I mean, you just look at one stat, we actually doubled the amount of assists that we had from last year to this year as a team on average. Um, and I think a lot of that was just the basics of, hey, we put the ball in a better spot this year because we actually sat there and focused on passing. I didn't do it last year. Mm-hmm. Our passes were all over the place. Um, and so, you know, I, I think sometimes we just take for granted that people can go make that pass and complete it, but, um, it's something that's forgotten. And, and I mean, that's, that's a skill. If I, if I see a kid, a high school kid, um a, a elementary or middle school kid who is putting a pass for his teammate on point every single time that stands out. Um, because you just don't see that, with every single kid on the court, a lot of times. So mm-hmm. um, that's you know what I've been trying to focus on a lot in the last uh, six
2: months, especially.
1: Yeah. So passing, escaping from uh, from from tight situations. JJ, what were your thoughts?
2: Um. Yeah. I think I think both of those guys <clears throat> kind of hit the nail on the head there. Um. One thing I'll say is triple threat and being strong with it. Um. Being able to uh, handle pressure with the in, in triple threat position and using your pivots. Um. You know, being able to fake a fake a pass, make a pass. Um, I think, um, you know, a lot of uh, the younger players that I work with, that's some of the areas that that we really want to try to work on. I mean, you know, being able to see the floor, head up, and controlling that ball in triple threat, where if you're getting pressure, you can still control yourself and have your balance to where you can move the ball um, or better position yourself to make an entry pass, you know, but a lot of times we or when I say we, but I see a lot of players, young players that automatically go to put the ball on the floor with their head down, dribbling, as opposed to being calm, strong, and triple threat and, and, and being able to make a good decision out of that. Um, yeah. I think that kind of is something that goes overlooked.
1: And <clears throat> yeah, I can tell you every day at Davidson, we did tough with the ball drills just to make sure we knew how to handle pressure. If you don't, <laughs> you don't do that stuff. You don't stand very much of a chance going to play it against Duke at Cameron Indoor with that relentless pressure in your face. Like, <laughs> tell me yeah, about yeah, yeah. Um, well, cool guys uh, wrapping up. We got about six minutes left here. Um, I kind of like to kick it to you guys just to kind of give some final thoughts. And I, I want to start with Brandon who before we got on this had some, had some really good thoughts about, um, what kids can be doing, especially during this time. Um, and they can't be actively playing in games And it comes to, to learning about basketball. Uh, Brandon, you want to kind of pick up with um, what we were talking about
3: before? Sure. Yeah. I think, you know, during this time, you know, we don't have, uh, we don't have a pressing timeline. You know, I think you know, with, with kids right now, you know, every weekend we have something we're doing right. Normally we have a tournament we have something we're getting ready for. So everything feels like you're, constantly in this state of preparation for near-term competition and now we have this extended timeline and the one thing whether it's young kids high school college or even the guys that are leaving college and get ready to play in the NBA I find that a lot of players don't really watch basketball and they don't not only do they not watch basketball as a fan they just don't watch a period and you know when they are watching they're getting snippets of it on Instagram or they're watching a little bit of Sports Center. so I think right now you know players can really develop a, a broader base of their basketball IQ if they learn how to watch the game with purpose. And I don't mean watch it as a fan, and I don't mean watch the game and only watch the ball. I mean, watch the game and watch everything that's happening on the floor, watch the, the nine guys at each possession that don't have the basketball in their hands. What are they doing? How are they communicating? What is their movement like? Um, you know, a lot of young kids I watch, there's a lot of standing going on. There's not a lot of movement. There's not a lot of understanding how simple movement can create opportunities for teammates and how coaches, when you get up into the college level and they start recruiting players at the high school level, coaches understand that nine out of the 10 guys on the floor don't have the basketball in their hands at all times. So what they're doing without the basketball has a major impact, especially if you're not one of these top 100 guys, what you do without the basketball has a major impact on how you are recruited and where they see you fitting into their program. So mm-hmm. taking the time to watch games right now, while you have the time to do it is, is very vital. So that when you come out of this, you're a smarter basketball player.
1: Mm-hmm. That is a skill, Brandon. I, I think uh, I spent a year doing doing some radio work and, and, and I would sit with coaches as they were watching film. And it seemed like, they watch basketball differently than than, than the average fan, and it and it takes. I mean, I had to learn that, and, and it's it's really interesting to see uh, um, how a coach watches film versus just like the casual fan. Like the things that you mentioned, how how players move without the ball and, and the spacing versus you know, I mean, there's so many intricacies in the game of basketball. If you really try to challenge yourself to watch a game from a different vantage point, you you can really learn a lot. So I think that's a that's a really good thought. Um, Ross, let me go to you for any any final thoughts around this this whole idea of skill development, the whole concept of skill development and preparing for the next level.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll just say I totally agree with what Brandon just said. I I think that's awesome. I think that uh, kids in this time and even just moving forward, the more you can watch basketball and uh, take away some of those different things that that'll help your game, uh, that you know maybe aren't emphasize as much in a practice or training setting i think that's awesome um the other thing i'll say and i'll make a plug for everything that we're doing right now with like our instagram live workouts and the zoom workouts that we're doing uh those are tremendous for skill development right now in this time at any age any level of player it doesn't matter because you know as i watch uh coach christian go through all of those things he's working on balance he's working on his uh, the, his feet his base um you know developing strength, all these things that are are fantastic that if, you know, who knows how long we're all going to be down for, if it's a month or two months where we're in this stretch of time, you know, if, if, if you take the time to join those workouts or do those workouts on a daily basis for 30 minutes at a time, every single player who does those is going to come out stronger and, and, uh, and, and better and have, uh, you know, just a better knowledge of, hey, this is how I, we're talking about, you know, JJ's talking about how do you play out of a triple threat? Well, now I have the strength to be in that, Uh, base of a stance and play out of it and move and pivot. So I think the more that kids can do those kind of things over this time and uh, just those individual based things and and if you can find the joy within that as well. We talked about fun and joy and it's like if you can enjoy and see yourself getting better with that, well then when we go start again and all of a sudden we're back to team practices and we're playing games, then you will most likely as a player take that time to go work on it on your own and say, hey, I need to work on you know, this strength aspect. I need to work on my balance a little bit. I need to work on getting my feet set so I can get into that shot. Um, and then that is ultimately how you become the player that you will become is because we can give you everything. We can have, uh, you know, our practices and and, um, and games and all that and give you these training things. But in, unless you go take that and work on your own and, and try to get better at it as an individual, then you're only going to improve so much.
1: Yeah. Ross, I think just one thing i like to add to that is I, I think it's important for kids to, to know like, and parents can reinforce this, but like, you're going to get out of your workout, whatever you put into it. Um, I used to do a lot of these workouts and it was really frustrating for me when a high school kid would show up and he'd be, man, I'm disappointed because I'm working out with like some middle school kids. And I think like, Hey, there's a way you're not competing against them. Challenge yourself. You might be doing the same drills, but find a way to to challenge yourself. And you know, the, the fundamentals of basketball don't change. So the fundamentals of the middle school kids practicing is the same thing you should be relentlessly pursuing perfection and so um, I think it's an important concept that parents can hopefully reiterate to their to their kids is like this workout is going to be whatever you make it if you think it's too easy challenge yourself you know a little bit more do a drill faster compete a little bit harder um, compete against the clock you know so I think it's an important concept that, that parents and in and, and, and kids need to need to uh, put wrap their minds around so um, JJ how about you
2: uh, I, you know what I would say, um, you know, to all the players out there listening, don't don't fall victim to idle time. I mean, um, you know, it, it's easy to kind of just lay around, be on the couch and, and and not do things right now because you think it's going to be a while before we get back playing again. Uh, my dad used to have a saying that uh, take care of today and tomorrow take care of itself. So, so meaning, you know, do everything you can today and uh, don't really worry about tomorrow because it's going to take care of itself. I think it's a wonderful opportunity to take advantage of this time to uh, get out work on your game. Um, we talked about a whole bunch of stuff that you can do. Uh, Ross just talked about all the things that we got going on at, at, with PSB that you can get involved in as far as working out. Um, you mm-hmm. can also use this opportunity to get in shape, but there's always an opportunity to get better. And uh, let's just take advantage of this time.
1: <clears throat> and I know, I mean, we're doing a lot of stuff. I know Brandon's companies with Accelerate Basketball, they're doing a lot at this time as well. I mean, you know, there's there's enough, enough to go around, a lot, of, a lot of options for those kids looking out there to, uh, um, to better and do some skill development stuff, pro skills, accelerator, whoever it is. But it's important that we, um, we stay on top of our games too. So guys, I'm going to wrap it up. 801, um, a sincere thank you to, to Ross and, and JJ and, and Brandon for your time and Chris for, thanks for fielding the questions for us and staying engaged with, with all the, the viewers and attendees of this webinar. Um, so those of you that were asking questions that we didn't get to, I apologize. We couldn't get to, to all of our questions. Um, but I thank you guys for, for, for watching and, and being interactive in this thing. And, um, hopefully you're going to walk away with this, with some tidbits on how you can, you know, either get better as a player or, or help your child, uh, when it comes to skill development and preparing for the next level too. So thank you all for coming and to our panelists, thank you all again for joining. And, um, hopefully everybody can, can stay safe during, during this time and stay safe and stay healthy and, um. We need to look out for each other and and hopefully we'll be back from this stronger than we were before too. So thank you all for being here and thanks to the panelists for being involved.